Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T-52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. All right, boys, let's talk about our presenting sponsor, Fabrica 5. Oh, yeah. It's a handcrafted and artisan story with the strong foundation of Rob Isla from Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame with Hamlet Paredes, Master Blender, and Cuban Cigar Legend. Love you, Rob. They're already fantastically priced, but exclusive to Lizard listeners, they can get 10% off Con Anazo 5-packs and 25-count bundles starting right now. Using code LIZARDN6. That's coupon code LIZARDN6. What is Carlos Anzo says it? <laughs> <laughs> you can get worldwide free shipping as well on all orders over $125 US. The website is Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. That's right. The more you buy, the more you save. Exactly. And it's important to note, boys, the Cononazo is the same size. Siglo 6. Siglo 6. Can't wait exactly, to try it. From Cohibo. Oh, yeah. These cigars are crafted and refined by feedback from a hard-nosed tasting panel, the FOH community, and customers. That's How hard-nosed you. were you on that tasting yeah. panel? <laughs> yeah. I was pretty hard-nosed. You know, you are an elite insider. <laughs> Right. Did, did you retrohale? I just want to make sure you did. You can literally jump on the FOH forum right now and post detailed reviews that go straight to the powers that be. And you can tell Gizmo every <laughs> note that you got that he didn't Correct. from the retrohale. And Gizmo likes to get calls at 2 a.m. in bed. <laughs> Be part- <laughs> Become part of the FOH community today. Fabrica 5 is direct from the farm in Honduras to your hand, and they ship out of Miami, so there's no customs nightmare, which is awesome. That's awesome. Oh, Pagoda, you're safe. (laughs) Fair enough, you know. (laughs) Again, use code LIZARDN6, all one word, no space, for 10% off Cononazo, five packs, and 25-count bundles starting right now at Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. Free shipping on orders over $125 U.S. Must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. It's so good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo. Tonight, I'm joined by Rooster, Senator, Pagoda, and Bam Bam. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some wine, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 78th official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Plan to meet us here once a week. We're going to smoke a Cupid cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. We resume the recap of our trip to Cuba this week, focused on our visit to the La Corona factory, the manufacturing powerhouse of Cuban cigars. We reveal what we learned during our private factory tour, and we discuss the famous origin story of tonight's cigar, all among a variety of other things for the next 90 minutes. So sit back, get your favorite drink, Light up a cigar and enjoy as we pair Marquez de Casa Concha Cabernet Sauvignon with the Cohiba Lancero. The original Lancero tonight from Cuba, Cohiba Lancero. The factory name is a Leguito number one, 38 ring gauge by seven and a half inches. And I don't know if there's a cigar that we've had more requests to review than the Cohiba Lancero. Is that true? Yeah. 
I would say over 30 emails so asking much, about when we were going to do this. There's so much to talk about here. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And we're coming off two weeks ago, our episode from uh, featuring our tour and experience at El Aguido, uh, mm-hmm. on our trip to Cuba. And tonight is part three of our Cuba trip <laughs> recap. We're going to talk about La Corona. But first, let's talk about this Cigar Boys, a classic, beautiful Lancero with the pigtail, of course. What year is this? This is an August 21 cigar. Okay. From El Aguito. Very toothy. Yeah, very toothy. The wrapper's yeah. not beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say that's probably the most surprising thing. I mean, we talked about our experience at yeah. uh, El Aguito um, on that other episode, and the wrapper, the attention to detail, making sure how it's so perfect, and there's, there's shockingly, it's it's a pretty veiny, yeah, toothy it's an wrapper. imperfect wrapper. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise. For the price, right? So, yeah, these are very, very expensive now, as Bam is alluding to. We'll talk about that in a bit. Um, but first, boys, let's cut this thing. Let's cut the pigtail off. See, we're getting on the cold draw on the wrapper. More important than the wrapper, it has a pigtail for roosters. Exactly. So mm-hmm. At least one of us is very happy. So far. Cold draw is delicious. Mm. Mm. Mine has the perfect amount of resistance. Mine's Just that. a slight resistance. Yeah, a bit tight, but yeah, it's really very delicious mm. on the cold draw. It's really nice. Mm. Getting... Some dried fruit. Yeah, classic Cohiba, grassy, a little bit of honey on the on the cold draw. Mm, yeah. A little bit of hay. Maybe a little vanilla. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah, the good. sweet notes are a little fundy-like. Yeah, true. Mm. All right, boys, let's light this thing. The Cohiba Lancero out of Cuba. Again, it's 38 ring gauge. By seven and a half inches. This is the original Lancero created in the late 60s for Fidel Castro. Well, there's some special significance we've heard to the dimensions of this cigar. Mm. Yeah, I can't, I think, you know, I'm having difficulty kind of verifying that. So we're going to call it a rumor. But in uh, metric, it's 38 ring gauge by 192 millimeters long which is supposed to uh, be directly correlated to the age of Fidel uh, when they created Cohiba, or he found his love of this specific blend from the person who was rolling these. And the 192 millimeters directly correlates to his height, which was rumored to be somewhere around 6'3", 6'4". So that's what we heard. I can't verify that on the internet, but that's the rumor. So we're going to run with it because it's a good story. Outstanding on the light. Wow. Just what I remembered it to be. You know, I've really, um, I've really fallen in love with these cigars. Oh yeah, you really know, fallen in love with these. What cigars. year did you say this is? This is from August twenty-one, so they're about two and a half years old. All right, so I'll say I, I'm I'm probably the biggest Cohiba skeptic in the group. That's yes, changing. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. Not a lot, honestly. <laughs> it's not changing much. Um, but my take has usually been, I mean, with heavy age. I've had some of the best cigars I've ever smoked have happened to be Cohiba, Cohiba Busto from 05 I smoked last year. Absolutely incredible. was a 10 all day. My problem has been younger Cohibas um, honestly have been like a 7 for me. Nothing's really cracked a top score, but to hear that this is 21 on the light, this is 
sweet and yeah. creamy and just yeah. tasty. This is really good. It's a delicious cigar. I think that these perform better, in my opinion, than a lot of the other Cohibas that I've had at a similar age, namely the Siglo series, aside from the Siglo 2, uh, especially the Cohiba Robusto and the Esplendido. I think both of those cigars with only two to three years of age, they're not even close to hitting their stride. The Coro. The Coro yeah. and the Esplendido. Five years for those, I think. Four to five years, I think, yeah. is really where you hit your sweet spot. And and I, I think eight is probably the magic number for those. Mm. Um, but that's a long, that's a lot of time investment on top yeah. of your money investment. Yeah. 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 Or 15 or 20. Yeah. Like that Coro yeah. I had. I mean, yeah. it was literally yeah. spectacular, but it's just a hell of a time to wait. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I think. The blend is a little bit different than in Cohibas in general, as it used to be. I think the 14s and 15s and before that, they they, they were a little bit, they, they had more oomph, they had more flavor, they had more, uh, could be, I don't know, a little bit more spice, a little bit, it, it, it tastes very different now mm. to me. I mean, I don't know how the... 2015 Coros, I mean. Or 05. Oh, oh, 05. Yeah. Oh, boy. I mean, so I have I have I have fourteen coros from Lub Lub fourteen coros out of the Upman factory, which are really really amazing, but the Esplendidos that I have from twenty fourteen are just it's kind of it's it's starting to rival the Vegas Robania Classicos with my favorite box that I have in my humidor, but that's a that, that's a long time to to age those things, man. You're I talking like, almost ten years. Question for you, yep. Giz. You haven't always been a Cohiba man. Yep. When have you? When when did you start pursuing these? Really, and why, and how? So I had a. Can the, I take a stab at this? Go ahead. He had every other cigar, and he had nothing else to <laughs> left to buy but Cohiba. That's a damn good answer. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. He's probably right. <laughs> he's not wrong, but he's not right in that uh, I had a very very old Cohiba robusto um given to you yes that it was mm. given to me and then we mm. were actually i was gifted by grinder a uh a fiver of the pyramid the selection pyramides um and it was in i think it was an 05 cohiba pyramid in there and that really that's quite the gift that knocked me on my ass of course it was and i got the robusto you got the robusto that, which is how i got I the, the pyramids. 05 coro exactly and the rest of us got nothing well, it was, well, it was we, for hosting. We did a bunch of stuff. It was, uh, well, it was very it was for this. It was for that. Yeah, I got you it. were specifically <laughs> left out. I know that on purpose. All right, Bam is going to host <laughs> and produce the next podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Which means in 2036 we'll have our next episode. <laughs> Let me call my tech guy. By the way, hey. I'm, I'm sure he has a few cohibas in this tower. Oh, he definitely yeah, does. He does. He definitely does. Uh, that's a no. So the answer to your question, Bam, is I, I, I. It kind of blew me away. The problem with those selection pyramids and the selection robustos is they're in a really tight little cedar box. They get a little bit cedar forward mm -hmm. unnecessarily. So then I had an 08 Lancero that was also gifted to me. That blew me away. And then I really started down the rabbit hole. And I've really I, I've fallen in love with the Lancero um, and the Esplendido. But the problem is yeah. they're so goddamn expensive. Yeah. And like that, this is a hundred dollar cigar not right. Not easy now. to get. No. And you know, as we discussed on the Monte Fortuna shit show episode with Dan uh, quite a while back when I bought the fake box of Coros. There are so many counterfeits out there. Yeah, true. You know, so. So what are you guys thinking? Um, this this is going to require us to smoke slowly, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful cigar. It, it's a delicate, elegant cigar with really good flavor on the sweeter side for me. 
not so much tobacco or cedar, but I'm getting more more fruit notes, some dessert notes, floral, and a bit of floral notes. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with Bam in that I get a ton of dessert notes on this, oh, yeah. Yeah. which is not what I associate Cohiba with. That's true. So for like me, bacon this is spice kind of thing. Or? A little bit. I, I mean, this is like. That's true. To me, it's this like is honey. like a honey. honey, honey That's honey from it's like yeah. honey drizzled on grass. Some kind of <laughs> no, not even grass. Like I, I would say a cream, like a, like a, brioche or something. There like you go. It, it, that it's works. really it's just. A little, it's yeah. It's kind of got like a. Um, there's like this creamy breadiness. Mm-hmm. It's kind of as the base, and then all these sweet and floral, like Rooster's saying. I just this is nothing like any Cohiba yeah. I've ever had. This is not. If you gave me this blind, I would never, in my wildest dreams, say Cohiba. Um, but that's a really good thing because I don't usually love Cohiba's flavor profile. Like I, this reminds me of like, I, what some fundies are, but this is on steroids. Like this is even Agreed. better than any fundy just so far. Agreed. That I've had. Agreed. I, I bet that opinion would change if you knew the price when you did a blind <laughs> test. So if you were said, this is a hundred dollars a stick. <laughs> well, then we'd immediately know Cohiba. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Be, do we know the construction of this guy? The amount of uh, the particular leaves no 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 of course not that's yeah. a trade secret mm. um i actually did see the breakdown one time mm-hmm. when i was at one of the factories and they quickly pulled it away pulled it away when i was there on a tour this was before we were there but you took a picture didn't you no no you're <laughs> trying to get me killed <laughs> yeah i find um i find these are really really nice at this age two to three years um even like younger. The, I mean, I've been smoking a lot of young. This is a twenty-one. It's smoking amazing. That's it's the fantastic. thing I'm so confused by. Is every other Cohiba I've tried within this range of age has been so underwhelming and disappointing, and this is such a like overperformer. I don't know uh, how. I happen to think it has something to do with the ring gauge. There isn't as much tobacco that you have in this as you have in other cigars. They maybe hone in on the specific leaves that they want to use here, and you're getting a more flavor than anything else. You know, well, it's the same four leaves that they use. It's just different in different portions. Yeah. Right? The one thing I'm finding interesting is, like, typically I'll find a lot of the flavor even towards the whole of my mouth. Uh, this is a lot of it is settling in the front of my mm-hmm. tongue. Like I agree with half. that. Mm-hmm. That's a good call out. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, right. it's it's yeah, it is very much the for, like the forward half yeah, of forward your tongue half, yeah. and mouth. Yeah, that's a good call out. So. The Cohiba Lancero has a long, long history. It was, uh, Cohiba was founded formally in 1966 with three sizes, the Ligito 1, 2, and 3. This is obviously the Ligito number 1. Um, we've talked about the Ligito number 2 on some other episodes, which is a little bit smaller. Um, same with the 3. But this is the hallmark of classic Cohiba. Came out 34 years, let's even before the Cohiba Robusto. 30 some odd years before the Siglo line mm. and probably 50 years, be, you know, or 60 years even before uh, the Bihike line. So, you know, this has been around a lot longer than the cigars that people talk about today for Cohiba, which is mainly Bihike and Siglo. So Fidel founded this uh, brand. I think we talked about this when we did uh, Cohiba, when we did the Siglo too, but we can just rehash it real quick. Uh, he was, uh, his bodyguard was smoking a cigar that a roller had rolled for him. And Fidel said, what is that? It smells amazing. Tried it and founded Cohiba, which in its early years, many of its early years, from 1966 to 1982, it was produced a few thousand boxes a year for Fidel, his cronies, and diplomatic gifts. And that's it. 
I'll tell you, it, it's not one for major combustion, but the aroma is delicious on this smoke. Really, very nice. It really complements the flavor. In oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, sorry, I'm just sitting here <laughs> dumbfounded and a little bit sad because I've pursued fundies. We all have. Oh yeah, and we've gotten a we've got a good amount of them. I have none of these, and this is so far definitely better yeah. than any fundy I've I had. I think this is. I think that within this age period, I think that this. I think this cigar wipes the floor with fundies, which, I, like you're saying, I never used to say. But the last 10 fundies I've had out of various boxes and ages, including the one we did on the podcast, have all been lackluster for me. Hmm. And maybe my palate's changed or my perception or my expectation of those cigars has changed, but so be it. Go ahead. I would mm-hmm. like to I would like to buy them from you at the 2018 <laughs> yes, price. No way. <laughs> Discounted number. I'm gonna I'm gonna fire sale those. I'm gonna buy a car. <laughs> right. So this comes in a, a beautiful dress box of 25 cigars which is obviously classic, a beautiful uh, uh, varnished box. And it's come, I mean, in 10 different varieties, obviously since 1964, 1966. It's come in a ton of different varieties of packaging, including five cardboard packs of five, a display box of 25 cigars, which is classic, cardboard packs of three, varnished box in cellophane, which is cool. So these used to come wrapped in cellophane. Wow, that's good to know because if I saw someone with that, <laughs> I would immediately fake. dismiss it as a fake cigar. That's true. And well, this I, is going to bum yeah, me out. As long as it doesn't have a glass top. Exactly. <laughs> stay, away from, <laughs> stay away from the glass tops. Uh, this one's going to bum us out. We can, we can all say rest in peace to the varnished Boyd Nature box of 50 cigars. These used to come in 50 caps. Well, I've wow. never seen that. I've never <sighs> what seen a that. Decadent can you imagine? That so that was discontinued even before Habanos came into the picture. That's before 2000. If so you're that, a listener and you have that, please send us a photo. <laughs> you're probably a grand lizard. That is something else. <laughs> and then there's a couple other uh, configurations in cellophane. Um, but yeah, so right now you can only get these in the varnished uh, Boyd Nature Box of 25 cigars. Yep. So... Amazing. Uh, Amazing, uh, some, right? Someone's doing the Bam Bam shake I'm, over there. I'm <laughs> wagging my tail like Bam Bam right now. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, Giz has been so passionate about Cohiba within the last year, and I have been trying to find a way to get where you are and appreciate what you're appreciating, and I have what not been I tell able you? to. But this is the one stick oh. that I will say. When we has, do the Esplendido, that'll be the second one. All right. The that'll young Esplendido, but perfect example. The young that one's not great. Probably the same age as this, right? You can't mm. listen. You can't start that journey. You can't start the Esplendido journey with a 2014. That's just that's so, ridiculous. So you made me suffer a little for exactly. 21. All exactly. Right. Welcome enough. to the journey. Fair enough. I uh, I'm going to make a definitive statement. I am a full on 100 <laughs> Cohiba slut. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> full on Cohiba slut. I'd like to make it known. I can't get enough Cohiba Lanceros and Esplendidos. How Not many? A, how many Lanceros do you have? I don't have a ton. I have a box and a half. Okay. Including nice. the six, seven that I brought Very with us nice. tonight. So, um, all right. We need to work on cornering the Cohiba yeah, Lancero we need to get before Giz clears everything out. <laughs> we're all in. Before this pod ends, we're all in. <laughs> Bin. <laughs> they don't really come up that much. I mean, it's hard, you know. No. And and the way way the price is right now. I mean, these are going for a hundred dollars a stick. So you're looking at twenty four to twenty four hundred dollars a box. That's crazy. It's man. a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's, That's a mortgage money. payment. You know, um, the first time we were in Cuba, I had the Cohiba Robusto, a bunch of them. I happened to like them a lot. 
They were young in Cuba, so they were overhumidified. But I'll tell you, I, <laughs> I there wasn't one that I didn't like. So if I get my hands on a box of those, even young, I'll age them a year and I'll start going into that box. But you also got into Lanceros in November. Oh, you yeah. had that Cohiba Lancero. That what? was the first. That that was really my probably my second Cohiba that I've ever had in my life. And dude, he freaked out. I freaked out. Like you were freaking out. And I regret not buying that box. Yeah, I told you. To, to this day, I still think about not buying that box. It's a big, big mistake that I made. And you said big. they were twenty five a stick. There, there were, <laughs> that's incredible. Dude, we got Sir Winston's in November for, for $20. twenty dollars. Oh, twenty twenty dollars. God. Yeah, but we didn't see them this time. No, no we did not. Yeah. They smartened we're up. Gone. Well, that's also, we went right after the festival, so we know half those guys cleared out anything like that. Yeah, yeah. It was really an elegant experience the first time I had the cigar in Cuba. I understand it now. Where were we? I think we were at either Cohiba Atmosphere or uh, Malia Cohiba. Malia Cohiba. I think that's where it was. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, great time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can easily say in the last 10 years, this is the best Cohiba I've had. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. It I'm is. blown away. I'm so, so happy to so hear that. I've been very kind of uh, cautiously optimistic about bringing this cigar into the room to smoke with you guys. Yeah, I've I've really you know I've I've just sat on them. I've had them for quite some time, um, but I, I've been nervous because as we've talked about, we talked about it two weeks ago in the the Ligito episode. You really don't know when you get a box, even if it's $2,500, you don't know the quality of those 25 cigars because or if they're, they're color real. matched. Or well, if they're real. Real authenticity, sure. But let's assume that you know they're real. Yeah. You may have 20 different rollers that have rolled those cigars that mm-hmm. they're in the same box just because they match in color of the wrapper, which doesn't directly mean that each of those cigars is going to be consistent, obviously. So you just never know. But, but on the other hand, like after the trip, I can say that these guys are really focused on quality for a change. Mm-hmm. Mm. Especially with Ligido. Oh, of course. Yeah, so this is really, really fantastic, and I'm glad you guys are joining. Of course. So coming off again, coming off two weeks ago, our uh, discussion of our visit to El Ligito and our amazing time that we had there, we were also fortunate during the week to go visit La Corona, which is if we called El Ligito the artisan hub, of Cuban cigars, La Corona is the mothership factory. The volume, volume and production producer. Yeah. That is a, a it's multiple, an assembly line. Yeah, multiple marcas. Yeah, they make a ton. Of, the they, factory, I think yeah. they make every marca there almost. Um, yeah, it's like the Amazon of Cuban cigars. <laughs> yeah, I mean literally. Yeah, there were eight literally. marcas on every, the wall when we were in a, in a conference. Yeah, they roll. They roll almost everything. Everything. everything, everything yeah. Even Cohibas. Yeah, they had single twos. When yeah, we were a there. few. Yeah. There, yeah. Coabas, they'll do. I thought Cohiba was only rolled at El Going Lido. to be. It's yeah. not going yet. It's be. going ah, to be. They're working on transitioning in the all past, to... It has been rolled at other factories. Yeah, that was I actually see. an interesting point of reference that uh, we learned that they're going to try to get all of their Cohiba Vitolas in one location right back at that makes sense. home base. Oh, well, yeah. Then yeah. when they do that, they can justify it'll be 200. Oh, <laughs> exactly right. Because they're only rolled in one place. <laughs> in small rooms. That's right. <laughs> With air conditioning. <laughs> so Corona compared to Legito, which has, you know, a fraction of production staff, team, and 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 torcedors, uh La Corona has hundreds of, of rollers on the floor at any given time. Certainly it's recovered now after COVID, but 
there's so many other there's so many other parts and moving pieces to the factory that I think like we did with Legito two weeks ago, I think we should just kind of walk the listener through the tour that we did uh, and take it all the way from the basement where we started all the way up to to the top floor where they're 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 putting them in the box. Yeah, we should we should we should actually talk about the building. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It's you know just it, when you walk in. That's a po- uh, post or post Soviet Union style structure, all concrete, and it's very. Um, it's like a, it's 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 got a machine like quality from the street. So when you walk in, it's a true factory, and it's several stories. Yeah, I mean, like at Elegido, most things are yeah. pretty flat, like one or two stories. Yep. Like this, this thing's is three and a half be, stories. Okay, if I remember. it looks even bigger, honestly. Yeah. Outside, the mass, does, you know, it. it does look bigger yeah. than that. Outside, yeah. outside it looks like a five story building. Yeah, <laughs> I must say it's not ADA compliant. <laughs> oh no, there's snow. Yeah, a lot of stairs. Well, snow. ADA doesn't exist there. <laughs> ADA what? <laughs> Do they have building code there, Ben? <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. We talked about that the first yeah. year. Jeez. Lots of stairs. <laughs> Lots of stairs. So we started in the basement uh, where they actually bring the tobacco into the building um, and, you know, start sorting it and, you know, opening up the bales and start preparing it for distribution throughout the factory. Do you remember that room we walked in down there? The intoxicating aroma? smell. Oh, it my was, God. Dude. I want a car freshener scent <laughs> just like it. It was incredible that's i'm just gonna hang a tobacco leaf (laughs) no 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 i like that idea that's a great business idea dude the lizard car freshener yeah as we discussed we we don't even need to do it i want to help the cuban people do it. all right for the listeners everything we say has a copyright on it (laughs) (laughs) we talked about i mean how uh how inventive the cuban people are i want to make sure next time we go we suggest this idea and hopefully we come back and they figured out a way to make some car fresheners for us (laughs) With uh, little lizards on them. Yeah, so we started downstairs, and then we made our way upstairs to the sorting room where there were a ton of women at various standing tables separating the leaves uh, for, you know, the various types of leaves to then be um, to be moved out. And that room was lively and energetic. They and it, were... It was full of... Yeah. It was they, full of workers there. Yeah. Full of workers. Yeah. yeah go back to uh, where, where they have the, uh, the tobacco leaves. We saw barrels there too, right? Yes. Yeah, I guess for, for fermentation. Yeah, fermentation, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Similar to Wikito. Yeah. 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 yeah, so I just forgot to ask, I mean, whether they were also from the U.S., like uh, bourbon barrels or not. It's a good it question. It sounds like they had to be, because, yeah. I mean, it, the, their most recent journey would have been to make rum in Cuba, but it sounds like the origin of all of these basically was like an American oak barrel that then went to yeah. Europe and then came into Cuba. Right. But, but in terms of first impressions, I think El Ligido was like, a five-star hotel, whereas this was more like, you know, like a motel. Mess, yeah, a yeah. hotel for the masses. It's oh, like sure. an assembly line. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like a manufacturing facility. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Certainly, there was nothing pretty about it. No. You know, like like you said, Bam, it's just all cement. Yeah, but it was compelling to walk through that, that oh, building. Yeah. Just to see the the amount of people in there, the, the amount of hands touching this tobacco. Yeah, and if you compare it to the Legito, the tour, and where we they separated the leaves, it was very mannered at the Palace of Cigars, whereas opposed to La Corona, there were maybe 12 women and the other, at El Ligido, maybe there were eight, and they were separated and everything was neatly organized. At La Corona, is a little looser, a little informal. Definitely. But in a, very, in a very good way, though. They get their work done. Absolutely. But more lively. I, I think El Ligido was more sophisticated, 
This was very lively. I yeah, I mean, yeah. to Giz's point, when we yeah. went in that room where the women were sorting, <laughs> well, I feel like we were all trying to be very quiet, very respectful, <laughs> and they like wanted to hear from us. Like they wanted to chat. They were like, "Whoa, whoa, we were about to walk medicano. out." Yeah, they're like yelling out, <laughs> "Take us the, to New York!" Yeah, <laughs> it was so. They, they just wanted to chat and have a fun time. It was cool to see. Yeah, and you know, I, a point I want to make to the listeners: we were not there during festival week. We were the only visitors in that factory at the time we were there. So it's not like they had an expectation that we were coming. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, but we really got the raw deal, yeah. you know, kind of like we did at Lagito. So we, after the sorting room, where we had a fun time with the, the ladies in there, where they were separating out all the leaves that were coming in, uh, and they had scales, too. They were weighing the tobacco, you know, to make sure that they're distributing the right amount of each leaf um, to the torsadors. And then we went across the hall, and we went into the destemming room, which, like you talked about, Bam at Legito, yeah. where they take the full leaf and they destem the middle of it. Mm-hmm. They save that leaf to be sold right. back to the farmers later, right. and then they use those two leaves for whatever the application is going to be for the, each of them. The process at La Corona was much, much faster than what we saw at El Legito. It was just higher paced, faster paced. It was. It was cool. I mean, you're yeah. just sitting there and like, there's it's so many more people all doing the same thing at one time. I mean, it just feels dude, like you're watching some kind of video. It's of, an art watching them take that stem out without destroying the delicate leaf. It's amazing. But it also felt like one big happy family. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Like, Which is. Well, that's a testament to the director. The rollers were happy. happy. Yeah. They were jovial. They were conversing with each other. They, they were talking to us. Yep. You know, they, I mean, they're walking around. Uh, the energy like, levels It seemed like high. a great atmosphere. It, it's so funny you say that. I mean, I vividly remember when, as we we're going on the tour and we're going up and down all these stairs, we're saying not being very ADA <laughs> compliant. Uh, but as we're going up at one point, you just, we saw like this whole group of workers sitting on the steps, chatting, having a good time, laughing. And I'll be honest, I mean, just my expectation going in, I mean, you kind of expect in a place like Cuba that some of these places are just like they were in handcuffs. (laughs) Not that extreme, but not far from it. I mean, honestly, I just expected like you're to sit at that desk, do exactly what you're supposed to leave and come back and do the same thing tomorrow. And I just couldn't believe how casually they were able to just sit there, have fun, just like we would at an office here. Mm -hmm. And that was really cool to see that they were able to enjoy themselves their company being their colleagues at work. And uh, that was just, it was kind of a special cool. thing. Uh, sure. But I think that also speaks to the overall experience of the Cuban people that we found there is that, listen, th- these folks, these folks don't have great lives. No. They don't have a lot. We're not sitting here saying that the Cuban government is doing a great job helping these people. They're doing the exact opposite of that. They're failing their people. It's an absolute shit show there economically. These people have difficulty getting food, clothing, shelter, transportation it's all bad however that doesn't dismiss what we're seeing in that these people are making the very best of it so what i don't want the listener to walk away from this conversation thinking that we're optimistic about cuba and the government there no but we're not what, but we're what, very high on the people we're very oh, high on the people and their ability to be resilient right that's, that's the right. key I word think, i think it's that's the, the level word. of contentment due to lack of any other choice yes mm-hmm. they've kind of adapted yeah to this culture that they know that they can't do anything sure, else. So sure. why not be happy in the moment and live in the moment and, and do their make, best, make the, make the best of it. And yeah. I think Bam teed this up and we'll talk a bit more about this, but a lot of it also stems from the leadership there and yes. kind of how they mm-hmm. institutionalize that this is not a place to come to be miserable every day. 
This is a place that we want you to feel ownership of what you produce and, and help provide there. Um, and you see it in all the people that we met, how happy they are to actually show up and work there and proud yeah. to be there. Yeah. yeah. And, and then during the tour, um, we were kind of pointed to an area where they told us like, these are the trainees. They're yeah. learning how to roll. Yeah. And I forget like how long the training. Period so the program's is. a nine month. So, so leaving, so good tea up there, uh, rooster. So we leave the stemming room, we walk upstairs and that's the floor of Torcedors. That's where they all are. There's, there's, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of Torcedors rolling, um, versus some of the pictures that we certainly saw during COVID and you might've seen, uh, you know, listeners out there. Um, there were really no empty benches. It was a full house. Sure. Uh, maybe there were 20 or 30 empty uh, from folks who had gone home or whatever had finished what they had to do for the day. But to your point, uh, on the, let's say, the top left corner of that floor is where the students were who were being taught in their nine-month program how to successfully roll great cigars. And what's cool, we didn't see that in our first round. We did not. Back in November. That was really interesting to see. That was awesome. I mean, yeah. honestly, I'm like, you, you're sitting there and like a lot of them are, are pretty young that you they can are. see they're doing this. And you're like, this is the future of this business, <laughs> right? I mean, these are literally the people that, you know, 10 years from now are, are going to be the ones rolling the cigars we're smoking. Um, so that that was just really cool for me. And hearing kind of the vision of how they train them up. I, I think the director was explaining to us how they all get graded and they need to maintain a certain standard to get through the program and ultimately right. be a torcedor. Right. Yeah, and it's not a 100% success rate. You know, some of them fall out due to, you know, it's just not working or stress or maybe their, you know, their dexterity's not there, their hand-eye coordination, whatever it may be to roll. Sure. And then on the flip side of that, I don't know if you remember what uh, Danilo told us at Legito, they had a recent graduate who was almost a, a top-level torcedor yep. coming out of that program. Young. He was so talented. And young. And I think that, yeah, and he was very young. Yep. And I think they put him right into the Bahike Saloon <laughs> at Legito <laughs> to roll coming off the program. So, wow. he, you know, he had a fast track to, sure. you know, so, so I pretty, wonder if pretty they, hard to, if they know, trained pretty, uh, them at La Corona and maybe graduate them to Legito. It's a very good possibility. I'm not sure of that. Um, it's It's possible. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they have that program at Legito. Because Legito did not have that many rollers to begin with. You know, I mean, like, we're talking about 300-plus rollers at La Corona and the yeah. amount of training that happens. So if you learn to roll one cigar, you can roll another one. It yep. shouldn't, you know. That's true. So maybe yeah. they do do that. Yeah, they very well may. <laughs> so, yeah, then, you know, you're on the floor of the Torcedores, and they're kind of grouped together based on the Vitolas that they're rolling, um, based on their experience. The back corner... The back left corner, let's say, um, all the way down the hall. So we're talking. How big is this building, Bam Square? You know, so on, a floor. on on that floor, to me, it looked like it was roughly forty-five feet wide, and probably a hundred and ten feet long, something like it's that. About five thousand square feet per, yeah, floor. per floor. Per, per floor. floor. Yeah. yeah, that's a sizable building. Yeah, that's yeah. A, it's, what do you think? It's a thirty thousand square foot building. Well, I, I only remember three uh, stories, really. Yeah. Uh, well, that's like floor, the three floors. When you're inside, if, correct me if I'm wrong, we went one, two, three stories. I don't know if there's a di an additional story. About 15,000 square four. feet. Yeah, or maybe four, four floors. Four with the basement. Uh, at right? the yeah. cellar, including this. But there wasn't much other action happening other than debailing the So it's 15 to 20,000 square foot building. I think so. Okay. And yeah. the rooftop. And the rooftop. That's not a big building for what they're producing. The volume of cigars that they're making there, that is not a big structure. Yeah. At 5 million sticks uh, or units per year, it's not a big building. Yeah. Yeah. So in the back left corner on that same side is where actually the best of the best rollers are. 
mm. including you know um, some of the folks that we were able to spend some time with. We actually got a demonstration of the top roller there. Oh yeah, who's a good friend of ours now. Um, Lickety split. He was done with an impeccably rolled cigar. D- dude, this, how do you do that? This guy is like Michael Jordan of rolling cigars. <laughs> is he not? Yes, yes. he I is. Know, I know you <laughs> laugh at me when I say that. Well, they all laugh at you too. <laughs> well, I especially laugh because you hate basketball so much. That's so true. I do love you using a basketball reference. Well, he loves MJ. I do love MJ. I love MJ's story. But yeah, it's it's amazing to see, you know, um some of the folks that that just what they're able to do with with a couple tobacco leaves and and some talented hands. It's it's really incredible what they're able to produce. Oh, that's the other thing we didn't mention. So in that room when you walk in on the right side, the like um burgundy shutters where they hand out what oh, they're yes. going to be rolling. We should talk about that. So, yeah. So the, the way that I think we talked about this briefly in the Legito episode, yeah. obviously it's scaled up here at, at Corona, but so when the Torsadors walk in, I think they get them two or three times a day, depending on, on how many uh, cigars they're rolling, but they rock, walk up to a window and they're handed the, the, the bundle of tobacco that they're to use to make the cigars they need to every day. And the process is actually semi or completely anonymous and that they don't know who's handing them the, mm-hmm. the tobacco from the other side. So they can't grease these people before or after work. Mm. It's they, they do that so that there's you anonymity. Know, anonymity. Yeah, sure. So you know, you're not getting preferential treatment right. in the distribution of tobacco. And it's like for the listener, if you would imagine like a drive through window, but you couldn't <laughs> see the person's face that's actually that's handing you the food. Oh, yeah. That's like literally what it looks like. There's just this window, just enough to put their arms through, hand them what they need to, but you don't actually see who's giving you what or what you're getting. Yeah. We saw that in action actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. We were yeah. actually there when a bunch of torsadors, I don't know if it was right after lunch. No, they were going up to the window. They're going getting, up to the yeah. window. There were a lot of them there going up to get tobacco. That's and cool. I and somebody from our group, I don't remember who it was, actually walked up to get um tobacco like tobacco made a joke of it. It was pretty funny, but um <laughs> well, what's interesting is that the rollers have no idea what brand they're rolling. No idea. They have no, no idea whether whether it's a punch or a quaba. Yeah. They're just giving given a formula, roll the cigar. If you're rolling a Salomon, this is how many tobacco leaves you need. You know, this is what you're doing. And then it goes and then it gets color, you know, uh, yeah, separated yeah. by color and then banded eventually. Not not boxed. to jump ahead, but the n- number of Vitolas that are produced in that factory from those beautiful, elegant little cigars, like those little Kawaba, unusual shape, all the way to the Robustos and the Churchills. It's incredible. The variety of v- Vitolas that they're rolling. And one torsador going through several different vitolas, that's true skill. Well, true I skill. It, I think it's also encouraging. I mean, I, I would never have expected that to be the case, that they have no idea really what they're rolling every mm, time. Yeah. And the fact that that is the case, it's very encouraging when you think about, like, we have these preconceived notions about certain brands, like certain brands we think are very high quality. Other brands we probably think are low quality. And based on the system, how they actually produce these, there's not a meaningful difference in the rolling of a Partagas or an Upman at La Corona or a Coaba or a Punch or something else there. And that there's something nice about that, that, you know, if you don't like one of those cigars, it's because you don't like that blend. It's yeah. a great point. But it's not because it's, it's you know, rolled in an inferior way as if like there are only rollers that roll Coaba mm-hmm. versus Partagas versus something else. And that challenged com- everything I would have expected. This, this, what he just said, really pulls down the curtain on the Vitolas and the brands, right? 
And even in this room, we have preconceived notions of what a high-quality cigar is and what a low-quality cigar is. That's out the window now. Well, it, it truly I, is. I think your point is- It's it, the taste. It's it, personal It's taste. all about palate. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's not about a quality in one brand versus another. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I think that's a difference maker that we need to point out is that corner that we're talking about where the best rollers are, they are given- Mm. The special stuff. Yeah, they're rolling to, the Salamones. They're rolling. Well, no, you like know, Alex is. You know, 109s Alex is rolling. You know, regional and limited releases. One oh nine. They're they they do know. They're giving those those. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, more stuff. for standard production. Most standard stuff. production. Yeah, absolutely. There's no discerning true. difference in quality in in in. You know, but, it, but it's the same tobacco going into every single cigar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. unless they have different tobacco. Like kind of like from different farms going into different brands. I no, just, I think there's some of that. I do there think there's some be. of that. There must be because what you're getting in a Cuaba, you, you're getting. I mean, I'm not getting anything like that in any other cigar. Not that that's a great cigar. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's bad or not. But Cohiba for sure has. Yeah. You know, yeah. Per, well, leaving Cohiba alone because it's it. Legido. It's a separate factory. Sure. They could have access to tobacco from a certain specific yeah. farm. So, yeah. you know, and also the fact that, you know, they're rolling, they're also, they're also rolling certain brands because that's what the orders that are coming in for. This is true. You know, they're right. also rolling regionals in that cigar. They are. In that, in that factory, sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot yeah. of, yeah. yeah. A lot of stuff comes out of Corona. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Yeah. And no shortage of boxes right now. Yeah. So when I mean, Bam and I came back unlike, in November, that's a good point. When we came back in November, there was a shortage of uh, packing supplies. Where they had a lot of cigars ready to be packed and shipped out, and yeah. that's not the case anymore. No, they have plenty of all of it. We kind of ended the tour, didn't we, in that craft room? Let's call it. Yeah. Right. It was yeah. So beautiful to see how they built the boxes and labeled them. It's really that stunning. was awesome. That's awesome. amazing. That was awesome, man. Yeah. The and all natural, all natural stuff. Adhesives were all natural. Yeah. The the craft in creating the box was truly elegant. The process in which they go it, through. I was honestly surprised. I just for some reason assumed that they received the boxes already mm. made and had all the um, emblems and things that are supposed to be on there. I didn't realize that at the factory that all this is being rolled, they actually have people like literally just with a wooden you know box that they have to adhere all these different decals and yeah. things to make the, the art. Of the Labels box. are all centered, beautifully cut. They have complete command on that chain of custody from creating the cigar to the box and getting it out. But I don't think all the boxes are physically made in the factory. I think they get them from overseas too, they mentioned. I think some of the uh some of the higher end boxes like the 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 boxes that like the varnish boxes. Varnish boxes that yeah. the Cohiba Lancero comes in or the Esplendido or the Sir Winston, those boxes are certainly coming from overseas, but yeah. most of the regular production stuff, I mean even some of the, you know, the Anahados the uh, uh senator had before we started this podcast today mm. from H. Upman that we did a few weeks ago, that box was made in that factory at Upman. I think that's a, that's a, bar, that's so, a varnished box. So no, I don't know. No, it's no. a cardboard it's box. Just, it's, a, it's a dress box. It's a dress I think box. Rooster, Rooster's making a good point. I don't, I, I'm telling you, I just opened it. But I that's a thing like mm -hmm. any dress box they make there easily. Yeah. And the, they make the... Uh, the, uh, the, the um, oh, I'm thinking of the Propio's box. Yeah. Well, they don't actually build... I don't think they build the actual box in the factory. Those are made elsewhere, and I think they're right. brought to the factory. Yeah. It's the labeling and you know the artwork application and adhesive. That's all done in the factory. That's right. No doubt about it. All right, let's pause here on our Corona experience, and let's talk about this experience we're having tonight, boys. We're a little bit under halfway through here Yeah. on the Cohiba Lancero. You're ahead of me. Talk to me. Dude. 
the retro hail on this, I get a beautiful <laughs> salty twang for me. There is not an ounce of freshness or harshness mm. coming through this stick. I don't know how at 2021 this is smoking this way. Yeah, it's a, fantastic. Yeah. Can I get, you know, you guys usually give me shit when a cigar doesn't go well that my no. humor is not correct. Can you say that again, please? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking to him. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> we got to coin that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is performing beautifully tonight. Yeah. You know, for me, the, the, the notes have stayed consistent, but I'm getting a nice salty twang as I'm yeah. getting toward the center it's of this guy. picked up a little bit in strength. Maybe a bit. But the sweetness is still the the yeah. the oh, consistent note oh, yeah. that it it really uh, soothes all of those. Sure, yeah. this is know. dessert. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the best part of this cigar, we talk so much every time we're reviewing a stick about where would you slot this in? How versatile is the smoke? Anytime. That's Anywhere. the thing. That's Anywhere. what I'm most Anytime. excited about with this cigar. I would like this in the morning with a coffee. Mm-hmm. I'd have this in the afternoon, and I'm enjoying it equally in the evening while we're recording this. There's utility at every point. It's safe to say the best Cubans are the Cubans you can smoke at any time of the day. I and agree. It's with proving that. to be the case, really. And most are. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Think about it. This is true. Yeah. Not all, but most. Yeah. And you know, we've talked about this. We've done so many Lanceros at this point in this block of Lanceros. It's funny that we're actually kind of coming not to the end, but we're we're certainly later in the journey here with the one that started it all. Oh yeah. You know, the Cohiba Lancero started this this whole thing we've done a lot of them so far yeah and i have to say i'm glad this is the experience because you know we reviewed so many new world lanceros that have really surprised us that have scored very high and when i think of the number of cuban lanceros i mean it's not like there's a ton to begin with but we haven't had that same level of surprise or excitement so it's nice to see a cuban lancero really surprise and even over deliver. I mean, this is exceeding my expectations. I can't say that we've had like a fundy I expect to be outstanding. And I think we, we were all pretty happy with the fundy that we had. I wasn't sure what to expect here. And with a lot of the new worlds, we've been, you know, really unsure of what we would get out of it and been really surprised. So mm-hmm. it's nice to see also this. Also, when, when you smoke a $100 Lancero, <laughs> you expected it to be, you know, a pretty good stick. So in a new world stick, when you light up a Lancero that you might not even know the price, but you're not expecting it to be a very pricey stick. And then you're surprised by how well it performed and yeah. what kind of flavors you get for like a sub $10 stick. We've that, had that's, plenty that's, of those that's experiences. That's blows you away. Oh, well, yeah. th- this is my my one hang up with Cohiba, right? Because the sad thing is at $100 a stick, whenever I smoke a young Cohiba, I don't expect it to be great. No. And that's a problem, right? Like you should not spend $100 on a cigar right. and be sitting there saying, I don't think this is going to be anything great for at least another five years. When you can buy a Partagas or an Upman or an Oyo or really anything in, in within just a couple of years, be very satisfied with it. So that's always been my hangup. But for me, especially Giz giving me, trying to take me on this Cohiba journey to get him closer to where he is giving me an Esplendido, that's also got to be what, like a hundred now, like something crazy as stick. At least. With roughly the same amount of age and me being very underwhelmed with that, I came in expecting to be underwhelmed by this cigar and I am not only satisfied, but this is one of the best Lanceros I've ever had. Absolutely. If not the best. Mm-hmm. So would you pay a hundred bucks for this? No. Yeah. But would I pay like top dollar for this? Would I pay 50, maybe even 60 bucks? Sure. And you, for anyone who's ever listened to me talk about price on the podcast, 
I, I fundamentally don't think any cigar should be more than $40. When I think of like the value I've gotten of, out of sticks that are, you know, $15, $20, $30, $40 at the absolute most, I don't need to pay any more than that to have an outstanding experience. Like some of my favorite cigars all fall under 40 bucks. So for me to say I would actually maybe I'd pay 50 or 60 for me, that's saying a lot. And I say that because this is the most I love dessert. Like like Puba, if he were sitting here, would be probably oh, over the moon smoking. I think this. he'd be gushing over the cigar. But There's I no say that because it. he and I have very similar palates and we chase dessert like flavors. Sure. And this is dessert in a, this is the definition of a dessert <laughs> smoke. So mm-hmm. I would pay top dollar for this. Yeah. Not a hundred, but still a lot. It's nice to hear. It, it is. You know, and the whole this discussion about how much a cigar should be. I think it's up to the individual, very much like the individual palate. What is someone willing to pay for an exclusive, elegant, hard-to-get cigar? Yeah. You're going to pay that money. Yeah. It, it, what bothers me about it, though, is to your point, Senator, is that how Habanos has taken this and has gone so overboard with the pricing, where, yeah, maybe at 50, 60 bucks, we'd all be buyers of this cigar, right? But at 100, it's just not something you can reach for very often, unless you're just you know, you have bongo bucks, but it's just not a reasonable thing to do, especially to Rooster's point. And what we've experienced on this podcast is how many of these $10, $12, $14 New World cigars, Lanceros, have delivered amazing experiences. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's kind of tough, right? Because I, I think the price differential doesn't justify for the marginal difference in flavor. It's, and I think, obviously, it depends on individual, absolutely. But having said that, I, I'll tell you, it's one of the few cigars I've just let and the smoke just come over my face. Yeah, it's velvety. It's, yeah. uh, it's very nice. Oh, yeah. Great aroma. It truly is celebratory cigar. Yeah. No and doubt about it. it. I find it to be, I guess to your point, Pagoda, I find it to be a very relaxing smoke. Mm. Like it, like my heart rate goes down. It feels good in the hand. Like I just, I feel very elegant. It feels very elegant to smoke. And it's nice, the aroma in your face, the smoking, it just it just feels really good. Yeah. Really enjoy it. All right, so let's talk about the pairing, boys. Oh, yes. Uh, Senator can tee this up. He picked this uh, wine for us at El Cocinero on the final night of our trip. Um, so talk to us. What What is this? Yeah, so as you might expect in Cuba, it's it's not like there's a you know, tremendous wine selection. They're able to import everything from everywhere. It's relatively limited, but to their credit, they're usually picking, you know, inexpensive bottles that are supremely drinkable um, and some even very enjoyable. And I think this ended up being one of those for us. So this is a uh, Marquez de Casa Concha, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, the vintage we had in Havana was 2018. This is 2019. The 18 vintage is pretty much run out. Um, so this was the oldest we could find. But um, it's a wine from uh, Chile. And uh, it's, I mean... Just great. It's full bodied, but velvety and smooth. Yeah. Um, it supple. Pairs beautifully with this Cohiba. It does. It really and that's does. the thing. Like a lot of these Chilean reds, there there's not this aggressive quality that you get out of some, let's say, Napa cabs that just need time to smooth out some of that aggression, um, which eventually builds into tremendous flavor, but starts with a little bit of a punch. And this only being a 2019 bottle, I mean, it's so velvety and smooth, which pairs with just how creamy and smooth this cigar is. So um, I'm glad this worked out, but it seemed like a lot of the guys liked this when we had it. Oh, it's extraordinarily drinkable. 
How much was this again? I think when we got it here in the States, what was it? 16, 18 bucks? Like 18 bucks? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Very drinkable bottle. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, it, the, that's the thing. Like when you're at a restaurant, a lot of the time, especially in the US, right? Like you look on a restaurant, a wine list, and every wine out of Napa is like at least $100 a bottle at a lot of these places, right? The markup is crazy. You then go to these other countries. You look at Chile. You look at Argentina. You look at Spain. And that's where you get a ton of value, where they don't mark them up as aggressively because people don't pursue them as much because they don't know as much about them. And so it's nice, like, traveling to random places like Havana and kind of being forced. You, you don't – literally, you can count on one hand the number of California wines that are on a wine list in Cuba. They had two? And literally. I mean, that's it. I wonder why. And <laughs> it's like everything else is from Spain, Argentina, Chile – and um, it's nice because it forces you to, at least for me, get a little bit out of my comfort zone and you find something that's such a great value like this. And um, I think this definitely competes for best sub $20 cab. I find it to be very balanced. It's not trying too hard to be too minerally, too earthy or too sweet. It really, it's pretty elegant and sophisticated for what it is, for the cost. And I like the dryness of it. It is a bit dry. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. that. And I happen to love that. I like that with a cigar. Sure. You know, I think when you get something that's a little too... Fruit forward. Fruit forward. Right. It's a little too much going on, trying a little too hard, even with a steak too. You know, it 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 can throw your balance off when you're enjoying a great cigar, especially a $100 cigar. We're having an $18 wine with a yeah. $100 cigar. And it's holding up. <laughs> and it's holding it up. Is. And it it's is. not, you know, it's you know, a lot of these yeah. cheaper wines, I mean, they really do try too hard. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you said that it, it's got a bit of dryness to it because you've probably heard me say this, but I love wines that are a little dry, not aggressively dry, not bone dry like some Bordeaux are. But, you know, a wine like this, it starts like the front of your palate as fruit forward, but it finishes dry. Yeah. And that's that balance Bam's talking Absolutely. about, which I think makes this special because usually you have to pay way more than $20 to achieve that. I, you know, wines that have that quality about them, a, a value is usually at 40 bucks. And where you really find a lot of them are at 50, 60 plus dollars. So mm. to find a wine with that level of balance at $20 is crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Incredible. All right, so back to Corona. So we've been through the Torcedor floor where we walked around and saw the Torcedors rolling. We um, went into, we didn't talk about this. We went into the storage room, the cold room. I mentioned that earlier, but yeah. yeah we, there were, how many cigars did they say that were in there when we were there? Was it? Um, I thought it was a couple million. I thought in before, that room before we were in there or after we left. The room? <laughs> <laughs> no, That's funny. What, no. em what embargo? <laughs> was it? A, I didn't hear that number. I thought it was 400,000, 450,000 cigars in that one room. I don't remember what the number was. It was a lot. Yeah. But they Beautiful, had, it was, I'm sorry, beautifully organized. You really can identify if you know your cigars, you can kind of look, I know what that is. I know what that is. That's a cool experience without the band on them. And they're Very all cool. unbanded until yeah. they're ready to be put in the box. Yeah. So that, they live in that cold room, oh, yeah. you know, until they're ready to be boxed. That was another room, the aroma. <laughs> Dude. It was like there was air movement in there with it the, being that cold room. And oh my goodness. So when you guys were in the group near the door, I walked through the path. Someone was mirroring me. If you noticed. Oh, yeah, because you, they don't want oh, to yeah. grab and stuff. No, Because no. a lot of people are They're fortunate to go on these tours. Yeah. And yeah. as we talked about before, they want to take and take and walk yeah. out of there with handfuls oh. of stuff. And it's just like, yeah, that's a good way to get yourself never invited back. Oh, yeah. 
Although the lady out there was very friendly. She was, she was very nice. kind. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she was. was very kind. <laughs> yeah, very kind. So um, then we went upstairs to the uh, the room where they made the boxes. We went through the banding room where they actually are banding all of the cigars and prepping them for boxing. Uh, went through the boxing room, like we said. Yep. And then we saw where they actually keep the master cases uh, that are ready to be moved to Habanos with the Habanos seals on them. And there was something I found really interesting. And do you remember, yep. I, I actually called the manager of the room over. The date. There yes. were Because there were half Coronas. Specifically, I saw a box of half Coronas. Uh, Upmans. Of Upman half Coronas from 2021. And I was con- confused. Like, why are these still here? <laughs> why are these not in the distribution chain? Why are the shelves empty in Spain and yeah. in Europe and in, in Australia? Why are these sitting here? You know, and what they said is they only roll a certain amount of them at a certain time during the year, and they hold them until they're called for by Habanos. It's amazing. So that does lend me to believe that Habanos is a little bit full of shit. Oh, yeah. They're controlling their global inventory, right? And they're trying to keep the cigars scarce. Well, this, I really believe that. This also explains, it's been very baffling to me how you walk in certain retailers and you see a box that's got a few years of age on it, and you're like, if you're moving inventory all the time, how do you have a 2020 box of something that you're going to convince me that's been sitting there for three, even two years? That would explain it. And I didn't understand that for so long until you're hearing that they're literally just holding stuff with aid sometimes because supposedly it hasn't been called for, mm. and then the retailer's getting it later. It's It was pretty amazing. And then seeing all those, the master crates there, I mean... I've never seen the master crates. That was the first time we were in that room, Ben. We impressive. weren't in that room. It's before. impressive. I wanted to load up a plane <laughs> and just fly <laughs> us all back. Oh my goodness! So that concluded our tour, and then uh, we head down. We we went back downstairs, all the way down to the first floor, and we were very fortunate to be invited to sit and have coffee and a cigar uh, with the director of the factory, Osmar. The man. The man. Great guy. Um, really enjoyed the time with him. Uh, and we had some wonderful conversation with him. Yeah, we did. I mean, what a guy! It, you know, we obviously talked about uh, our experience at El Aguido and meeting Danilo, who's the production manager there, um, and uh, Oscar, who is the director general. And it's so funny. You just you remember, and, and we went there first, right, El Aguido, and you remember talking to Danilo, and so amazed by his knowledge of cigars in this business, despite how short of an amount of time he's actually been in it, and he very readily says. I learned everything I know from Osmar, yeah. who's at La Corona. And so how <laughs> surreal it was then to fast forward like a couple days and we're sitting in a room with Osmar and I was blown away by all the cigar knowledge that Danilo shared with us. And this is the guy who really kind of started it all. And uh, it sounds like it's just viewed as, you know, I think uh, Gizmo has said that the Jefe del Jefe is yeah. like, he, he's had such an imprint on. He's the godfather of cigar production and quality. And the ability that he has to keep everyone happy in these compounds, it's astounding. So I think, again, the thing, I, I want to temper our enthusiasm for the listener in, in this way. Again, I want to say it because we are not celebrating Tabacuba. We're not celebrating Habanos. We're not celebrating the Cuban government. Part of the using our pseudonyms on this podcast is we don't want them to figure out who we are, so we can't go back. Well, right? you're also being very diplomatic because they're not good to their people. They're not good to their people. They're horrible to their people. But on a micro level, what we can see, because they have no reason to impress us. They don't give a shit about a podcast. They don't even know what a podcast is probably. 
because it's not accessible to them. They don't. They don't we care. had to describe it as a radio show. Yeah, generally. like they <laughs> don't That's care. The only way they understood. They're not trying to impress us and and you know make us feel some sort of distorted view of what they're doing. Really, it comes down to I think that they are trying to develop as best they can a family atmosphere to try to treat their people well. The people who are manufacturing these cigars, they're trying to treat them well because, like Osmar said, in so many words, happy people make good cigars. Yeah. And I think that at his time in Legito and his time in the other factories, I think he's worked at all the major factories, he said, except part. I, I don't remember if it was Upman or Partagas that he hadn't worked at, but he's run all these factories. And he spent 10 years at Legito, and now he's been at Corona for four or five, I believe. Um, and he's trying to... Which even that is so fascinating, yeah, right? I yeah. Mean, I was sitting there when we first learned that, and you hear, you think of like... Legito is like the Mecca. Like if you are the director general there, that's probably as good as it gets. Like that's the mountaintop for that job. And I was so confused. Well, why would he be moved to La Corona? Nothing against La Corona, but like it's hard to beat that job. And it was so cool to hear that he's so good at it. And essentially because they produce so much more at La Corona, his impact could mm -hmm. be magnified in such a huge way by him sharing all of his knowledge and instilling his process in his way at the factory that produces more cigars than any. Yeah, it, it's yeah. got to be like a five times the the size of the enterprise at La Corona. You mentioned the amount of control that you need to have over that. It's astounding. Yeah, and it also makes sense that he's been there like four to five years, and you see the the production quality, you know, getting like much better. Like I remember, like. 19s, 20, 21, 22. That's interesting. Even yeah. the cigars are smoking better. Oh, I mean, we're had... having a 21 lens. I mean, although it wasn't wasn't uh, rolled at uh, right. La Corona, but a lot of the younger stuff is smoking really great. And we, we have talked and about been, this. They've yeah. been consistent. It is. We haven't really had many draw issues with the uh, newer boxes. Think about how much better the Monty 2s got. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially since 2018, 2019. Exactly right. And a lot of them are made at Corona. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah. Well, that's what was cool. So Gizmo, during this discussion with uh, Osmar in Gizmo's broken Spanish, was, <laughs> was... You know, there's always a jab there, fam. You hear that? I heard that. I'm going to shut it. his mic off. <laughs> no, leave it on. Todo bien, todo bien. <laughs> and so Gizmo was trying to say, basically, that we as the consumer notice a difference in just the last few years, like Rooster's saying... And it was cool to see Osmar's reaction. It was as if he hadn't really heard that before from an American consumer. And uh, it's got to be really validating, which is cool for us to be yeah, able to share that. I in. think he was being very modest. Yeah. yeah. Very humble. It's exciting, though, to have that thought of it, of, of what's happening there. It's really exciting. It gives me yeah. goosebumps, yeah. honestly. And mind you, like these guys what, are producing about 5 million cigars annually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, considering his vision where he nearly wants to double it up and go to mm -hmm. 9 million by... Uh, 2030, that's, that's in the next seven years. This is a guy who knows his stuff and uh, wants to do it right. I think on a micro level, really, I believe that they're trying to do their best, at least in what we saw in these two factories. I believe that the people in leadership on the ground are trying to do their very best. Yeah, and and on that, because I think it's really important, and I, I, I think I've got a very sensitive bullshit meter, and I don't think any of these people we were talking to were bullshitting us, and I say that because... Um, what we were hearing is being done there and what the experience is like now, it was crystal clear was not always the experience there. And there was no like dancing around that issue, mm -hmm. right? For Osmar to sit there and say, recognize that more needed to be done 
to support the people that work there so that they can bring their best selves to work every single day and produce good cigars. I mean, that's an acknowledgement that that always hasn't been the case. That's true. And that he needs that to be the case to do his job and them to do their job. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying, and we had a translator that was very helpful during all this, but he was explaining how when he started there, he had a meeting and went and met with everyone that works at that factory and said, what do you need to get by? Not, here's what we're paying you, take it or leave it. What do you need to make ends meet for your family? And he was going to do everything in his power to try to at least fulfill that, yeah. if not more. And that's like a huge departure from, I think, how most things in Cuba work, which is, <laughs> this is the way it is, yeah. and this is the way you will accept it. There, there's no negotiation. What are you going to do about it? Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that you, was really powerful. If you remember the tour to El Aguido, they had crates of eggs distributed throughout the facility. Why? Yeah. yeah. Because they want to make sure that they have protein to take home for their families. That's a that's a mark of the director. Yeah, and if if, if let's think about it, if a torcedor is sitting at work all day worrying about feeding their kids, of course they're not going to be able to focus on their work. That's yeah. that's just a patent yeah truth Small. in any existence. Yeah. If you're worried about feeding your children, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to focus at work that day. Small gestures like that go so. I'm far. I'm gonna try that at my stores tomorrow. <laughs> If you guys got to sell $5,000 a day, each person, I'll give you guys some eggs. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, that's an example of leadership, but I'll tell you, those Cuban omelets, those Cuban omelets are oh, fantastic. Yeah. They are good. <laughs> With the hot oil. Oh. So uh, Pagoda mentioned that uh, they're, they're trying to uh, increase the production out of Corona over the next, say, five to seven years, Correct. Yeah, 2030 so, is, is the number. They're, they're almost trying to double the production. And what was the number? It's escaping me. They're trying to move up to a certain number of torsos. I think it was 350 or 400 was the number. From 230 to 300. That was it. Mm. 230 to 300. That's what they're going to try to get to in the next couple of years and then increase the production. And these are not the employees. These are the ro rollers. Just the rollers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and even just along the lines we're talking about, the people, how much of a focus that is there, I mean, I couldn't believe, I remember we're going there and they have this position, the lectura, is yeah. that right? Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, what is this position? And like for any, anyone in certainly the United States, but um, many of other countries will relate to this. It's basically like the head of HR. <laughs> I mean, like that person's job is to make sure that people are happy, they have what they need. And, and that, I was just stunned that in any Cuban business, um, especially something that uh, obviously has an influence on the government, that there would be such a focus on things like that, that someone gets paid literally just to make sure yeah. people have what they need and they can do and, their job. And, and, and you read, know what? They read the news on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. So, so she has a platform uh, on the floor where all the torcedores are that she has a microphone and she'll read the bus schedule. She'll talk about the transportation. Certainly, I'm sure that it's very challenging every day. I'm, I'm sure that it's very difficult to get these people to and from work. Uh, she'll read the news. She'll read, you know, various things to them, you know, so that they're aware. And obviously prior to the advent of the internet and cell phones, which they all have now, um, you know, that's, that's it's where it's, they got their entertainment yeah. during the day. It's so cool. It's almost, this all kind of winds down to the focus of, to really getting the rollers to focus on one thing, the quality of the work that they're doing. And right? that, it's, it's like an indirect quality control Yeah, to get your thoughts off of your problems, to help you as much as possible to focus on your work. It's amazing. I think, yeah, I think uh, they had a party the night before, right? On Wednesday or something. We missed that, it. Yeah, they had a party <laughs> for all the employees to go. And I, right. I, mm -hmm. I think I think one of the guys had mentioned he was a bit, bit hungover. <laughs> <laughs>
So we uh, we had a wonderful cigar and a wonderful cup of coffee. By the way, even at these random places, we're sitting in a conference room at La Corona. The coffee is unbelievable. It was outstanding. Yeah, I have to say, I don't drink much coffee. <laughs> it was good. It was excellent. It and the was. ventilation's horrible. Oh, the ventilation's I so was bad. worried Senator would be bouncing off the walls. <laughs> <laughs> I was on my best behavior with that giant photo of Fidel Castro oh, boy. above Rooster's head. <laughs> By the way, that was the earliest we got up during our whole trip to make it to the tour. Yeah, it's what do we? We had to be there at ten, right? Yeah. Oh, oh my lord, why? Oh my why? lord, is right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, they were talking about that they're going to try and build a place where they, you know I think people are going to be allowed to come and smoke and that's right. Drink. Yeah, for guests, oh, they're going to yes. have like a lounge. Yeah, so they showed us beautiful interior renderings, renderings of a lounge they're going to build at the top floor somewhere. That. You know where I think it that. is, Bam, is yeah. I think it's on the second floor. Oh, yeah. Right next to the, the sorting room, there's mm. a door right there. I cool. think that's the room it's Very cool. In. And I think they're almost done with it. Very cool. The renderings looked really nice. Yeah. 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 It's nice that they're spending the money there for the tourists and the, the government uh, visitors. <laughs> did they use you, Bam? They did uh, not. All right. Uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> so the whole thing's going to come crumbling down in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> They'll use two by fours to hold up concrete. <laughs> So, boys, this Cohiba Lancero is performing beautifully in the second third here. I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've honestly, I've had a few duds out of this box. Really? Um, yeah, because I, I picked some when I smoked them that I could tell were more densely packed and mm. were probably going to have draw issues, which is a common thing with uh, small ring gauges we've talked about ad nauseum. But, you know, I've had some duds out of this box. So for the five of us to be sitting here and none of us experiencing a, a difficult smoke tonight, especially for 100 bucks a stick. Yeah. Is a welcome relief. That's what I was going to say. At a hundred dollars a stick, no big deal if a few of them don't smoke. <laughs> oh yeah. How much? How much did you pay for these? I think I paid sixty or seventy at the time. Wow, good for you. Yeah. So which you... at the by the way at the time felt like a real, real, real gouge. Obviously now in not hindsight, now. Yeah. it's not the case. Did you inspect the foot of every cigar before I brought them tonight? Yes, I did. So you pulled out the ones that you assumed would be. Yeah, a so, challenge. Yeah, and I mean, maybe that's a good thing to talk about for the listeners. So, yeah, I'm curious about that as well. So did you separate those cigars? Are you going to dry box them maybe? So the ones that I pulled for us tonight, um, I isolated um, a couple weeks ago. Mm. I put them to the side and, you know, I kind of said these are for the Where did you, you know, keep the lizards. them? I kept them in the box just separated. I had a little... You in know, your tower. In the tower. Okay. They were in the tower the whole time. Which, so, which shelf on the tower? <laughs> <laughs> shelf two. But you, you noted earlier that you, you, you separated cigars or pulled out cigars that you assumed won't be smoking well or that won't smoke well. No, How I did... pulled those. I smoked those uh, in, the, in, the, in the last oh, few okay. months. Got it, yeah. But I was reaching for cigars that I thought might give me a challenge because I didn't want to bring those here. Okay. You know, when we were going to record. So I'm just glad that maybe I got most of those out of the box. But we're talking probably 10, 15% of the box was was a challenge, you know, wow. three, four was, cigars was this, already. Was this rolled at the Legita? Yes. M-A-R. Awesome. Yeah. M-A-R, Ago 20. I wonder why, did, why didn't we do this when we talked about Legito? That's a great question, Rooster. I appreciate yeah, the, the criticism. Who's the manager here? <laughs> <laughs> What the heck? Gizmo's fired, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the jefe over here. Turn Giz's mic off. Honestly, please. I thought it was a good way to segue the conversation we had two weeks ago with a brilliant cigar. I thought it was a way to segue, you know, Corona to to Leguito and vice versa. So there you go. That was my thinking. Thought wrong. <laughs> Rooster's right, but both work. Garcon is fired. Only one bottle. <laughs> I didn't know everyone was going to love it so much. Oh, dude. We, this, you know we love that. This cigar just keeps getting better. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 
It's unbelievable on the last third. Yeah, I'm just coming to the last third now. It's it's really performing great. I think you and I are at the same point. It's stunning how good this is. So, Rooster, you've had other really? Lanceros. I mean, where does this compare for you? Have had other Cohiba You've Lanceros? never had a Cohiba Lancero? Yeah, I have, but a while back. I mean, any other Cohiba I've had, it's different. Like, I mean, I distinctly remember a Cohiba Robusto from like, you know, like 2014, 15 had more, a little more spice, a little more oomph to it. Mm. Uh, the young one was, wasn't that great, but this is in a different world. Yeah. So I don't think I've had an older Lancero though. I had a 2008, I think I mentioned earlier on the mm-hmm. podcast, and it, it really mellowed out and chilled out. I think I'm actually prefer, uh, preferring this kind of vibe right now over yeah. the 08, but the 08 was, was a really brilliant cigar. I had a 2022 in Cuba, and I, you know I loved it. You did. This is better. Much better. There you have it, boys. I mean, it gives you hope that even if you buy, like, you know, fresh Lanceros, if you can get them at a decent price, <laughs> keep them. You Good know? luck. I mean, uh, they'll smoke well. I think the way you guys should think about it is it's an investment. I think <laughs> the price is nearly doubled while the market's yeah. down, like, I don't know. I don't think it's going above this. I'm kidding. I absolutely think it's going to come down. I just want to say this. As the resident watch person here, (laughs) this is exactly the same type of market where everybody says, look at the price of watches. This is ridiculous. It can't possibly go higher. And you fast forward five years from then and people are saying, holy shit, I wish I would have spent 10 or 20 grand or whatever it was at the time for X watch. And it just keeps going up. I do believe this will continue to increase in price. I really do. Outrageous. That's crazy. I mean, I was just reading, there was an article this morning. um, Oh, man, what was it? It was actually talking about another product, and then it related it to the cigar market. Um, Caviar? Something that young people (laughs) are starting to spend a lot more money on. Vapes. And it, no. (laughs) Like a a higher-end, a higher-end product. And it was comparing it to the cigar market, how there's been an explosion in cigar smoking among younger people, particularly in the U.S., and how they're starting to want to spend more money, that they view this as like this luxury that's worth um, spending money on, and how accessible cigar information and content honestly podcasts like ours it's kind of the lens i was reading this through social media as well i think that's had a big a big big hand in increasing the popularity of cigars today well that's the thing and increasing the accessibility of just information like sure so many people they were talking about who maybe were very predisposed to want to enjoy cigars but didn't know how to smoke one didn't know how to procure them all the stuff that we hope to share with the world through what we're doing um, and so it was just as I was reading this and I'm like, wow, I mean, the numbers are exploding among younger adults. And you think about what that's going to mean for the market for this product yep. in 10 years. I mean, to me, it's no question that the prices are going to continue to climb. Well, Habanos also views this that we have in our hand as a Rolex. Yeah. But how many Rolexes have you had that don't tell time? Like, are there 10 to 15% of Rolexes that just don't work? You know, kind of like Cohiba no. Lanceros, you get... 10 to 15% of Cohiba Lanceros are not smokable, you know, which is the major criticism yeah. of, of, of Habanos with their approach here is that you're smoke, you, you have a handmade product in your, in, that we're smoking, and sometimes they just don't go. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't justify something that, 
you know, they're comparing it to handbags and watches and cars. And it's true. And I also and, hate to break it to them. You smoke a cigar, and, and it's in gone. An hour, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> that Rolex is going to last generations, <laughs> and even a handbag is going to last a long time. So, so essentially, a box of this is equal equivalent to a Panerai yeah, like or a Louis Vuitton handbag. Yeah, maybe. yeah, more like a handbag. There's yeah. no Panerai you can. Yeah, no, you can't. No, they're over. They're like six thousand. No, now. maybe ten, maybe, twenty years ago. Maybe a Seiko. <laughs> a Seiko, <laughs> or a Rolex with two L's. <laughs> so, uh, wrapping up our visit to La Corona, uh, is there any other takeaways that we didn't hit that that kind of resonated with you guys? You stuck know, with you guys. I, I think sitting in that conference room, this is the second time for you and I. It was really heartwarming. It, it was just fantastic. It felt like we were part of what they were doing. They were ingratiating. It was just a very warm experience, I and have I, to say. I think that they appreciate that we don't ask for anything. Yeah, well, of course. You know, we show up there with, I mean, we showed up there with a suitcase full of stuff. Also the enthusiasm, though. I mean, we yeah. have a great enthusiasm for this. Yeah. And I think they see that. And they, and they know that we want to educate. Sure. And we show up with a suitcase full of stuff that I gave to the lectora mm -hmm. to, to give to the torcedores. Yes. Medicine, clothing from Rooster. Yep. You know, toys, baseballs. Uh, Osmar, the, the director of La Corona, is a big baseball guy. Very involved in the youth baseball, so we gave him some stuff to give away to his people. Yeah. I mean, it's just like we show up there to give, not to take. And that, I think, is a message. We're not patting ourselves on the back by sharing that with you listeners. It's if you do go to Cuba, it's all about giving, and that's where the joy is in it. All of these experiences are great, but what you really – the connections you make with, with human beings there and our ability as Americans to do so much with so little um, – it's it's really pretty monumental and very impactful. It's at least for me. And they were very happy to talk to us too. You know, they answered all of our questions. Sure. Because they knew that we were inquisitive and that we do a pod, and then we were there, you know, to learn more about the culture and about the cigars that are being rolled and uh, about the people rolling them, about the director, the whole mm -hmm. whole history and everything about La Corona. So it, I mean, it was a, it was a yeah. It was a it's giving us a chance tour. to really put this out. Where prior to before our trip to Cuba, uh, we had no idea what a factory tour was like, what it was like inside. So it's yeah. eye opening. Well, going building off of what Rooster just said, that was kind of the last point I was going to leave the listener with. I think we talked about this a little bit with El Aguido, and I think we saw where a lot of this stems from, which is Osmar was just like the willingness to share knowledge and information and be transparent. And Danilo oh, yeah. teed that up very much so about how, you know, there have certainly been director generals in the past where that's not really the style. Kind of the old guard in Cuba is, this is what we do. We do it extremely well. And it's not something that we need to share with everybody or talk about, right? That's the secret sauce. And Danilo was so transparent with us. And then to hear from him, I learned everything I know from Osmar and to sit down with Osmar and it was like, and, and his staff, it was like no question was off limits. Mm -hmm. There was a Even willingness the hard to hard questions, share. which Correct. It, it, unfortunately, it's just, it's not all rosy. Right. And even what is this tension between the folks who on the ground are actually responsible for producing cigars and the investors who own, you know, Habano SA and are, mm -hmm. th there's a huge tension there, obviously. Yeah, we learned so that from Danilo. Yeah. It was, uh, it, yeah. there were a lot of conversations, but I, the biggest shock to me nothing at any point was off limits. And I think we're all just eternally grateful for how much they were willing to share. Yeah. And I think, you know, in our future visits, when we go back there, we're just going to be able to double down on this, you know, having known the people that are there, 
they know our faces, they know our intent, they know who we are, and they know why we're there. I think that's just going to allow us to keep pulling the layers of this onion back and getting deeper to the root of this thing that we love. Yeah, I would love to go back and just sit in that room where we sat towards the end of the tour. Like, sure. we don't have to do the tour again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just to sit there and spend like half an hour, like an hour, smoke a cigar and have a cup of coffee and just, we might have other questions. Sure. And then, you know, of course, head to the terrace right after. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, maybe the lounge will be open. Oh, right that'd there. be amazing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah, it was a great visit, great week. And, you know, like we opened this conversation, just as such a contrast from what we experienced at Laquito, you know. But like Senator just said, there was a thread tied between the leadership on the ground, not Tabacuba, not Habanos, on the ground at these factories where I believe that the people on a very micro level are really trying to do their best. I really believe that. No, absolutely. And they're focused on making the best cigars they can and with a huge disconnect with how they're actually brought out to market. Well said. Very well said. So, boys, we're in a final third here of the Cohiba Lancero. I can't believe how good this cigar is still. It have keeps you, getting better. It does. you notice the ash, the color of the ash on this? It's yeah. super dark. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a charcoal. very dark gray. Yeah. Charcoal, yeah. Yeah, so the intensity's picked up a little bit for me. A bit. The, the smoke is still cool, though. It's not, uh, it, the, the cigar is not heated up for me, which I'm, I'm happy about. No rough edges, but I know what Senator's looking at right now. So the ash color from cigar to cigar, it differs. Mine's getting kind of lighter. Mine's a light gray like yeah. most Cubans. Yeah. Mine's a little yeah, dark. Mine, mine but, we're, dark. but we're truly, I know you don't like this, but we are stacking dimes here. The layering is beautiful. It is. <laughs> Anybody out there playing Bam Bam Bingo? Uh, okay. <laughs> Stacking dimes. Stacking dimes, baby. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bam. Give me patience. It was great to, you know, I wish I could photograph. I should, actually. There's a cloud of that, smoke right above your head. Yeah. It's like a halo. It's a halo. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's very fitting. <laughs> Is it really? Well. (laughs) (laughs) Check the past episodes, ladies and gentlemen. So we mentioned uh, Ramon Ionis earlier in the podcast when we were talking about um, other cigars that we smoke. Obviously, we smoke the Rass a lot. We love that cigar. Uh, And last uh, last time we did uh, the, the, the second episode, we did the Legito episode, we talked about, we smoked the Ramonis... One uh, Ionis number two, ah, okay. which was the uh, the EL from 2019, which got a 10. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about this with you guys. Uh, so they announced and they released, they've actually released, it's actually in market. I actually saw some in Cuban we were, uh, Cuba when we were there, a new regular production size, mm. which is the Ionis number three, which is five and a half by 52. So it's kind of a Robusto, yeah. a little bit larger than the RAS. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be a new regular production cigar from Ramon. Interesting. Which is nice to see. Yeah. I want them to make a torpedo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that damn number two was so good. Oh, yeah. I want them to have a standard production Ramon Ionis number two. That would be amazing. Yeah. Like a, just make a pyramid of the same size yeah. as the Monty two or no, the, that'd be uh, incredible, or the P2. That would be great. <sighs> that would be great. We'll, we'll bring it up to Oswaro. Yeah. <laughs> 
Unfortunately, I think that's a Habanos decision. He may show you right out the door. <laughs> you know what's nice too? That the thing I know uh, that that I'm into is that uh, they're pricing it at 19 bucks a cigar. Mm, that's good. So very good. You know, given what we've talked about with Habanos, uh, it's nice to see a regular production Ramon coming out. Yeah, that's great. under twenty bucks a stick. The gray market will be fifty, <laughs> <laughs> maybe eighty. He's not wrong. <laughs> so one of the other cool things uh, during our discussion with Osmar and his team at La Corona, we were talking about. This was probably when we were in the boxing room where they were like assembling all the boxes. Um, how many cigars are in a box? And right now, I think oh, yeah. most of them we purchase are twenty five right. count. You know, in a box, whether it's a dress box or semi boy nature, whatever the case may be, and he was talking about how it used to be the case that the king of Spain and Spain is, I actually think to this day, they say like more Cuban cigars are sent to Spain than anywhere. There's some like stat like this. Yeah, I think that came about when Gizmo asked him, why is there a certain times you open a box and there's like a wooden piece a block. on the, on yeah, the lower yeah. level on or lower, cardboard if it's cardboard. a dress yeah. box. Yeah. yeah. On the then, lower level. Then that's, that was the, that was his answer. Yeah. So he was saying that the king of Spain um, had wanted 26 cigars in a box. And then at some point that changed to 25. I think it was like easier to count or something like that. Like everything just being Multiples, 25, yeah. like to very mm-hmm. easily do the math. So they had to add that little cardboard piece if it's in a dress box or that little piece of wood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so apparently now, especially as they're having a shortage of boxes, I think both Giz and Bam, your first trip before we all went as a group, were talking about how they apparently have all these cigars on the island. They don't have boxes to get them out, that's true. at least allegedly. And if that's the case, it'd be better off for them to try to fit as many cigars per box as possible so that they have to use less boxes. So we were told that there is talk about in the future going back to 26 count boxes, which would be pretty cool. Yeah, that's a big move. Oh, yeah. It seems like a waste of space to ship out a box with a piece of cardboard or a piece of wood in it <laughs> instead of another cigar. Yeah. It is. So, like, would, would a cab become 52? Uh, oh. No, because a cab <laughs> cab doesn't have that. No, anymore. it doesn't have that block. But I hope the dress boxes don't get packed even further than they are already. That's true. Okay. We don't need that. <laughs> okay. You, you, <laughs> please. <laughs> so, you know what's interesting is they have more cigars on top. That's 13 on top and 12 below. Yep. And you would think that it'd be the other way around because if you put 13 down, the gap between the two cigars would form enough for them to put 12. But it's it's opposite. Mm-hmm. And it's also, know. you know, it's all about that presentation. They want, when you open that box, all the cigars are color matched, perfectly right. aligned. All the bands are perfectly aligned. They want you to have that initial whoa moment uh, when you open your box of cigars. But, but it tells you that th- they think about everything. I mean, it, it is really remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't mind if they put 26 cigars in a box, but the problem is the price is going to go up. Yep. No, I hope the price goes down. <laughs> yeah, oh. I don't think so. <laughs> no, that's a pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, there's some more prices and increases coming, but um, I haven't gotten solid information on that yet. Mm. But I've heard that there's two more coming this year. I don't know if that's true, but I guess we'll Please see. don't tell us. Ignorance is a bliss. No, it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. All right, boys, so we're coming to the end of our evening here. Uh, do you want to do the formal liquor rating on the Marquez wine? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Bam, bam, you're up. Well, I, you know, I love this this cab for the balance that it has and how sophisticated it is for the price. I'm giving it a 10. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
like I, like like Senator said, it is so drinkable. I can go through a bottle in a sitting and really be very comfortable. Okay, ten pagoda. I'm at an eight. Okay, I think it's very flavorful, very tasty. It's a bit dry. Um, a bit dry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he's not a wine drinker. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Senator, whose head just the it's, back of his head just blew off. He's it's gonna all have over an <laughs> You're going to have to clean the walls because my head is literally about to explode. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I can't believe he gave this an eight. I can't believe this. Yeah, yeah. Just by oh smelling the glass, I would have given it a nine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wow, Jesus. Well, to each well, his own. This is making my life a whole lot easier because I've been back and forth between a nine and a ten. He's at an 11 I just to balance definitely, it definitely it having to give this a 10 to balance this out. Uh-huh. And I will feel very good doing it, and I'm in lockstep with Bam in the sense that the hardest bottle of wine to find is a sub twenty dollar bottle yeah. of red. It With is that balance, the single most difficult thing to do in all of wine. You can find a bottle of white easily at that price point. A bottle of red gets really difficult. This drinks better than any wine at its price point. It's a ten. Okay, so I'm going to give it a nine. I'm right in between you guys. It's not quite a ten for me. It's not my favorite thing I've ever had. I'm certainly with you on the price point thing, but I've had quite a few bottles of this since we got home because I bought a case of it like Senator did. Um, it's not a 10 for me. Okay. It's a 9, uh, Can I ask and you I'm a very comfortable question? with that. Of 20 or less yeah, bottles, exactly. <laughs> what would you prefer to this? I would definitely take Oberon over this. Yeah, Oberon. Oh, definitely wow, Oberon. I feel the opposite. Oh, I do too. I think uh, this honestly, is I do too. I take the Oberon, Oberon over this. So the Oberon's nice. It's a great table wine, but there's a bit more sweetness to this right. than I get here. And it's again, you got to go back to the balance. When you're balancing the sweetness and a bit of the earth tone and it's not overwhelming in any way, that's a sophisticated bottle of wine. I'm glad you brought this. That's what I wanted to ask. I yeah. was so curious you, if you were so going to say you that. So you don't prefer the My, Oberon over this? No, I don't. So I, let, let me just say before you give that. So the but form, I love the Oberon, but I, I happen to think this is better. The formal liquor rating on this is a 9.3. Uh, so the That's reason fair. why I wanted to say that is mm. I think a 93 for this is actually a perfect score. It is. If I were to, to rate the Oberon, okay. I'd probably give it a 92. If I were to rate this, I'd probably give it a 90 or 91. That's mm. how close they are for me. But close. it's a nine. It's a solid nine for That's me. That's fair. So I take no, as always, the composite lizard score is always right. I have zero issue with a 93. I think it's perfect and deserving. The thing I do want to talk about, you mentioned that you prefer you give a bit of an edge to the Oberon over this. To me, for a listener who's trying to decide between the two, I think that the Oberon lacks legs in the way that this does. Um, I say that as an Oberon is a medium to full-bodied cab that as a result of it not being squarely full is so easily drinkable, and I would even say gu- you could just guzzle that stuff down. I mean, <laughs> it, it's like very easy drinking wine. I don't know that it always holds up really well with food or with something else. In the way that where why I give this the slight edge is I think this has a bit more structure with delivered in an even more much more sophisticated way, in my Agreed. opinion. Agreed. And this to me holds up much better with as far as a steak, as, as heavy a meal as that, or with something that is, you know, not, you know, even chicken or something not as aggressive as red meat. Sure. So for those reasons, I think like when you, if you want a full bodied red, that's going to be delivered in a velvety, supple way, 
this is the bottle. If you want a medium to full bottle, that's um, just going to you know be sit out on the deck and just pound a bunch of wine. Then then Oberon's, Oberon's a wine. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely pound a lot more Oberon than this. I, I think for me, what it did was it just really dried my mouth up quite a bit, and I'm not sure why. Uh, but you know, that's the structure in the wine. I mean, that, yeah. And after a yeah. while, like it's not something I can drink like a lot of uh, over a period of time. And maybe that's why, so I'm not All sure. Right, we're going to get you some yellowtail. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a wine drinker. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm so upset with an eight. So I got to say, this is one of the higher rated wines that we've actually done. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I'm just looking through the list here. You know, if you guys want to call some wines out that we've done, the Stag's Leap Artemis was an 80, uh, 8.8. Hmm. I'm um, surprised. But yeah. I was surprised that the uh, Itter uh, that we did uh, on the John Gibson Memorial episode was a 9.0. Um, that was a good wine. And then... Uh, Oberon. The, I don't know if we rated Oberon. You did? I don't think we did. We should do it. I don't have it on the list here. Maybe a listener could tell me if I missed it, but or I can look. But... I don't remember that we did that. You guys did Howl Mountain. No? Howl Mountain. We did that. That's right. So the Howl Mountain yeah. got an 8.4. Hmm. What? Now, how guess, much? Guess why that was. Wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <For> me again. <laughs> he points to Pagoda. <laughs> and Pagoda said he brushed his teeth before he came, so is that, that impacted oh, well. But I was still upset about <laughs> that. How much is the Howl uh, Mountain, like Senator? 80 bucks, is it? No, it's no. 40. Yeah. $40. Oh, okay. okay. It's a pricey bottle of wine. And the Stag's Leap? Do you remember how much that oh, is? It's like 65 now. 65, yeah. And how much is this? 18. 18. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The other one that we did. Bam uh, Bam Esquire. Dude, case closed. Thank you. $18. The other one was the Jordan that got a 9.0. Mm. So this is one so of the higher rated highest. wines that we've done. Yeah. The value is tremendous. It, yeah. So many factors in its favor. Yeah. And a listener, like you said, a listener who's just getting into wine or is not very experienced, this is a very low risk investment yeah. at 18 bucks. Absolutely. All right. Okay, boys, we're coming to the end here of the Cohiba Lancero, the Lakito number one. How are you guys feeling? How are you feeling? I love it. How far down are you? About me? Uh, I have about, about an inch. An inch left. Okay, me too. I like it. Mm-hmm. What so, do you think? So good, man. So good. Oh, yeah. Good to the end. I mean, it did build up some strength, but you still get the same sweetness, the same... You know, baking spice, floral notes. Can I have a little bit more? <laughs> There's no more left. <laughs> Pagoda, Pagoda's asking for more wine. I think he's Someone's going to no, 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 no. Someone's have to restrain me in a second. <laughs> okay. He's out. <laughs> I'm just going to say, when we're at my place, my <laughs> cellar is close to Pagoda. Oh! <laughs> Senator, how are you feeling about the cigar before we rate it? Very good. So the funny thing is, this is a perfect example of a cigar that I didn't want to be too quick to say anything about the final third. To me, you really need to look at the final fourth. And I say that because with a fundy, sometimes the final quarter cannot be that is not that enjoyable for me. A, a fair amount of the time, actually, the whole three quarters of it, fantastic. It's yeah. just that last bit. Yep. And so I've been waiting to see how this is going to perform. It's even great in the last quarter. Yeah, it's much richer now. I'm about yes. an inch away, and there's a. I'm getting a lot. I'm actually getting a lot of coffee and earth tones here, earth yeah. notes. I where I'm not. I didn't get early on. 
Yeah, the sweetness is kind of faded. It's dissipated, but it's gotten richer it's through very the coffee. Rich. And it's more stones. savory now. It than has. Sweet. Yeah. And a lot of these cigars, when we say like, oh, it's picked up in strength toward the very, you know, final third or final fourth of it, a lot of the time, like when we say it's picked up in strength, it's tasting more like hot tobacco. Yeah. And that it's just stronger than what we were getting before. Bam calling out these notes, I think are spot on, like coffee, I'm actually getting. Yeah. It's maintaining flavor. It's a richer flavor. Down to it's, the stretch. It's uncanny the if you have certain espressos that pulls that that earth note into that coffee. That's exactly what I'm getting. Yeah, no, I, I, I preferred it in the second half and mm. the last quarter is definitely more in my wheelhouse. So. Yeah, this is really good. Very good. All right, you guys ready to do the uh, formal lizard rating on this thing? Can you go higher than a 10? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, Rooster, you're up. Yeah, it's a 10. Okay. It's an absolute 10. You can fit like any time during the day, afternoon, evening. It's very versatile. And uh, it's, it's fantastic. It's great. Senator. Great. This is tough for me because, yet again, I'm bouncing between a 9 and a 10. Mm -hmm. If this were purely based on flavor, it is a 10 for me. There's no doubt there. I know where it's going. But I Value. can't not factor in price. That's yeah. just, yeah, to yeah, me, yeah, yeah. It, it it has to, right? Like, if I'm going to give a cigar a 10 and I want to pursue it all the time, like, this is so cost prohibitive, I'm not going to pursue this all the time. Hmm. I'm not going to smoke a lot of these. I wish I could, but at these prices, it's just absurd. You so can't. So what about at the price that Gizmo got this box for? 70 is still too high. I think I paid 60. 60 is like 60. the very end of what I'd be willing to pay, but I'd only smoke that very infrequently still. I mean, it would need to be sub 40 for me to smoke this, pull this out at least monthly, if not even more. So I'm going to have to go down to a nine um, because I get, I guess here's the best way I can put this. If, if I were going to give this a 10 at a hundred dollars a stick, it would have to be the greatest cigar I've ever had. Yeah, And that would mean that even at a hundred dollars a stick, I'd pursue it. Not a lot of it, but I'd pursue some of it. And this, to me, is an outstanding cigar. I would happily smoke this again. But will I pursue paying a hundred for this as if it's one of the as if it is the greatest cigar I've ever had? I won't. And so that's the only reason I have to round down to a nine. Have you found a cigar that you would pursue at a hundred dollars? If I could, ne if I had no more Vegas Urbana. 2011 Classicos left, That's and time. I and I wanted another, which I will always want another. And someone popped uh, somewhere; it popped up at a hundred a stick. I would absolutely buy it. I can totally can I sell agree you with my that. half box. Yes, hundred dollars. <laughs> yes, stick? yes. All right. I'll yes. yes, I'll split that with him. <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. Bam's, like, Bam's that's how good that ass. is. Yeah. <laughs> what? I do not. He does not. I do not. Uh, he's. I do not have that. Don't start that rumor. I'm sorry. Two, two and a half boxes. <laughs> Senator, it's not true. <laughs> Bam's getting red. He's getting oh nervous. Boy. <laughs> oh boy. I'm out. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so here's how I'm going to go on about this. So I, I've, I've really fallen in love with this cigar, uh, as you know. I paid 60 bucks for this. That's how I'm looking at the cigar. And I'm also looking at the cigar I have in my hand, not the, you know, call it the cumulative experience I've had with the specific box, which has been, I've had a couple duds uh, just in, in, in construction, which I've dealt with with the perfect draw, and they ended up okay. But tonight, this cigar is absolutely one of the best Cohibas I've ever had. No question about it. Um, and it's 60 bucks a stick, which I paid for it. Uh, and this experience tonight, 
this is absolutely a 10 for me. Um, I, I certainly respect what you said, Senator, about value. I think at 100, 120 to replace this box, I do think that has to factor in. But this specific cigar, absolutely a 10. I everything about this is perfectly designed for my palate. This cigar is perfect for me. If I could only smoke one cigar regularly, price not factored in for the rest of my life, I would absolutely reach for the Cohibo Lancero. It is perfect for me. So, Can I say one more thing I forgot to mention in kind of my review? Um, the other reason, as you're saying that, when you were saying it's a perfect cigar for me, I was sitting there saying to myself, well, oh, it's also the perfect cigar for me. But I'm realizing that there is one thing missing, which is actually why I'm feeling a little bit better about my nine, not taking issue with your 10. That's sure. perfect for you. Yeah, that's a palate thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But what I'm realizing is when Bam talked about the richness in the final uh, quarter and the coffee and things like that, the perfect cigar for me would be exactly this. The dessert notes are unbelievable, but with a bit more richness actually in the first three quarters of it. Okay. It was a little milder than the perfect cigar for me. So that's the the other reason that I'm, I'm at a nine. Okay. Pagoda. I mean, I kind of like that it built up. But it only got to it at like the very final quarter. I yeah. mean, I would have wanted it to change like halfway. I want more of this. Yeah, but then again, I like the floral notes and cigars. Sure. So I kind of pursue, pursue Of course, that. I do too. And let's not forget it had a pigtail. Yeah. Well, that's just a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I put my own pigtail on cigars. <laughs> All right, Pagoda. What do you think I'll rate it? <laughs> I think you're going to give it a nine. That's yeah, my guess. You're right. Yeah. There you go. It, it's a nine for me. And, you know, I, I think Senator kind of explained it in his second half. Like, m I preferred the second half, and I wish there was a bit more of that richness in, even in the beginning. Not that I did not enjoy it. But, it, like, for me, it would be more of a morning cigar for me, typically. Mm -hmm. But towards the end, I'm like, oh, damn, this this is wonderful. Um, so I think a nine is a fair squ a score mm. from my perspective. And considering the price point, you know, I, I don't think I'll be ever be able to reach it. So. Bam, bam. You know, so when I first took the first few draws, I, I, I would never, I wouldn't consider this uh, a dessert cigar. I find that Culebra that we had. Remember that cigar? The Partagas? That was dessert from beginning to end. For me, that's a quintessential dessert cigar. That because had, had a lot of age on it. And a ton of fruit. This started off with slight dessert notes and baking spice, a hint of it. But then as you get into the coffee toward the end, the complexity and the balance of this, for me, it is a 10 at 60 bucks. But at $100, I'm not going to go near this. I'd be at a 9 for at $100. Well, we we're rating this cigar for what he paid, right? For the box, I, I will give it. I will now, give so. it a ten for because of that. I'm surprised that you wouldn't call this a quintessential dessert cigar. I say that because we were yeah. getting so much honey. We the were. first third of this is just but your straight note, honey. Your note early just a moment ago was spot on. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a, a in your face dessert. Right. It was very subtle. That's fair. Yeah. So, again, it always works out. I think the composite lizard score here, boys, is perfect at a 9.6. Okay. A 96. I think that's perfect for that's this cigar. I kind of that's agree. Fair. For the, yeah. how, this, how this performs tonight. And I think with even a little more age, another three, four years, I think this could reach 98, 99. Um, I, I think it could very well get there. Hmm. I'm very happy with that score. I mean, yeah. my fingers are starting to burn. That's how good this is in that last <laughs> quarter. I, I can take no issue with that. That's yeah. rare for you. 
<laughs> well, what an excellent night, boys. Yeah, yeah. and it awesome. smoked really well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. combustion great, was great. Great, con- great construction, combustion, sure. everything. I mean, it- no touch-ups. Yeah. So I think going forward, Gizmo should procure these and only give us the ones that are going to smoke perfectly. <laughs> and the ones I'll that smoke are, the dust. and the ones that are sixty bucks each. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So uh, wonderful uh, conversation about Corona tonight. So we're going to continue in two weeks, part four of our Cuba trip. We're going to wrap it up uh, in two weeks, and then uh, yeah, we'll continue on. Uh, hopefully, do some interviews and whatnot. Uh, and we'll be back in Cuba sooner rather than later, hopefully. And uh, certainly for any listeners out there who have questions about going to Cuba, who want a little initiation, feel free to email us um, or hit us up on the DMs and Instagram. Uh, glad to help. It's absolutely worth the trip. Would you guys agree? Absolutely. Life-changing. Oh, Life-changing. Yeah. In the best way. Like, oh, I, yeah. I don't even yeah. say that exaggerating. It's just, I think Giz said before, like the impact that all of us here, it doesn't matter how much or how little you have in America, anyone is able to really improve a person if not several people's lives in cuba absolutely all right so an excellent night a 9.3 for the pairing tonight the marquez de casa concha wine from chile and a 9.6 for the cohiba lancero i'm very happy with that score i was nervous man i was nervous driving here (laughs) i was nervous it was an elegant night it was it was was. was from beginning to end thank you guys of course thank you you guys thank you guys and uh we'll see you like i said we'll see you back here in two weeks for part four and uh we'll see everybody next week hope you enjoyed this episode thanks for joining us you can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website loungelizardspod.com that's loungelizardspod.com Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, hello at loungelizardspod.com. You can also find us on Instagram, at loungelizardspod. We really appreciate your time, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week.